I, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't say this, but please stay as safe as possible. I know the holidays are coming up. Many of us haven't seen our families in near, nearly a year, myself included. Zoom just doesn't cut it. This has been a lost year in many ways, and there's still some loss of time ahead of us. Our mourning is delayed, celebrations deferred, plans we had upended, and there's uncertainty, uncertainty, and guess what? More uncertainty. We greet each day with the words, I don't know. And in the mix of it all, there is still the world as it was pre-pandemic. There is beauty, there's glory and tragedy too, and the list of justice causes is growing ever longer, even now. I both feel like I don't need to tell a group of Unitarian Universalists this, but also I must as your pastor, because each and every member of this congregation is important, loved and deserving of life. Stay home, stay safe, listen to the governor's advice, listen to reputable scientists and agencies, listen to the doctors and healthcare professionals we have in our midst here, there are many, stay home if you can. There is a loss in this time of year. But when we reach the end of this time, whatever that looks like, we will gather, we will celebrate with loved ones and friends. But you being sick or dying from this virus is irrevocable. We are all dealing with this uncertainty together, but we get to do so alive, hopefully healthy, and with our hearts set on rebuilding what was lost. Amen. So I love Unitarian Universalism. You, you would hope I would say that or else I probably shouldn't be a minister. I, I love this faith even amidst its imperfection, the missed opportunities. Now I'll, I'll complain about it with a lot of colleagues. Uh, with many of you, I'll name our faults very openly. But I do so with love underneath it all. Not a love that glosses over, but a love that ultimately wonders. It's the kind of love that asks, who, what, when, where, why, rinse and repeat. It's a love that even if the words are critical, they are not mean-spirited. There are so many examples I could get on several soapboxes uh, if I wanted to. But what remains is an acknowledgement that Unitarian Universalism is a life-saving and life-affirming tradition. I wholeheartedly believe that, and my dream is that so many people will believe that too. And I also dream of a day when that language about who we are is as commonplace as the chalices we light. I dream of a day when we use that vocabulary more than the stories we are used to telling about ourselves. For example, what if when we find ourselves in that mythical elevator and suddenly have to encapsulate who we are as Unitarian Universalists to a total stranger in the span of one minute, what if we said, how about... Unitarian Universalism is a life-saving, life-affirming religious tradition that draws from many sources, works for justice, and challenges us to grow as worthy people in community. Now, that's not a perfect elevator speech, but not bad for making it up as I go, right? What if we said that instead of, well, you can just believe whatever you want here. Now, ministers would make terrible attorneys. We're all about leading questions and leading statements. One of those elevator speeches inspires growth and affirms life. 
The other one is hardly distinguishable from a Kroger rewards card. Buy whatever you want and save. Except, except I guess a church doesn't have coupons, right? Anyway, I want to return to the life-saving piece. The acknowledgement that Unitarian Universalism can bring people to what many religions call a salvific moment or salvation. Of course, that word isn't used much in our churches. And, and when it is, it has an entirely different meaning. It is less about reconciliation with a deity or the universe and more about reconciliation with you, yourself, and your humanity. But it goes deeper than that, too. It isn't about joining a company of saints or angels, but rather a company of other human beings on a similar journey. And still yet, the net grows wider and wider. Nothing is simple with Unitarian Universalism. Uh, salvation is a messy thing. Other religions keep it simple, but for us, the net just keeps getting wider and wider. We reconcile ourselves to our humanity, to a community such as this that we join, and then the wider community of human beings. Farther and farther out it goes, including all of life, all that is this life, all that is this existence. That is how far the net goes. And another name for that is right relationship. How do we move throughout this world in a way that reconciles and encourages reconciliation? How do we create a world where that's even possible? I could get lost in theological language all day, but I hope you get the idea. When I say that I believe Unitarian Universalism is a life-saving and life-affirming tradition, it has everything to do with the here and the now, and with everything we talk about as a community week after week. How shall we answer the calls of justice, for they are many? How shall we build relationships with people different than us? That's a life's work. How do we see ourselves as worthy beings, as imperfect as we are? How do we support a community such as this, such as this so that our values are magnified in Lexington? That's essential. Those are solid religious questions. Questions that are asked in every hymn, every meeting, every sermon, every budget, every event, and every coming together. Every pledge card, every cookbook, you can still pick yours up in every utterance of our principles. Now, there's a favorite experience I have as a minister, and I don't just mean one experience, but a collection of experiences. Whenever I hear people who've discovered Unitarian Universalism talk about reading, hearing, or seeing our principles the first time, and what they mean to them, I feel a deep and intimate knowing. That though we may believe differently on such questions uh, like God or the afterlife, we are on a shared human journey. Because even for those of us who've been Unitarian Universalists for most or all of our lives, reading, hearing, or seeing our principles brings about close feelings. Feelings that strike at our innermost core. Our minds take those feelings to different places. Some of us have images of a world where the beloved community is realized. Sometimes our minds take them to concrete places, such as an inspiration to work for justice, whether marching through the streets, lobbying, writing letters, environmental work, and so on. Or those feelings let us open our hearts to this life. Not to any other life or someone else's idea about what our life should be, but just this, this moment, this life, this eternal now. There's a beauty to this and an abiding sense of journey. Not a destination, but an ever unfolding, winding, twisty road that is life. 
Perhaps the word salvation isn't quite right for us then, and I, I have no attachments to that word. I hope you don't either. Uh, but journeying, going on a journey, living into our principles in community, I like that. And I feel like that captures the heart of this tradition. And you can hear it in the voices of people when they discover our principles, when they discover those ethical statements that unite us. And you can almost hear the exhale or the deep, satisfying breath. Ah, this is what life should be, a journey. So take a quick moment. Take a breath, deep or shallow, it doesn't matter, whatever's comfortable for you, and exhale. Feel the air in your lungs and feel it leaving. And just recall for a moment why you chose this place and this tradition. It's not all deep breaths and relaxation when people discover Unitarian Universalism, though. Sometimes things go just a little off course. Well, <laughs> that's kind of a funny analogy given what we've been talking about. What is off course when everything's a journey? But I'll think of another analogy for, at some point. But I, I've seen this unfold, and to be transparent, I've been a part of this when I wasn't a minister. And maybe you'll see yourself in this a little, and, and that's okay. Sometimes when Unitarian Universalism is discovered, the seven principles plus the eighth principle we've adopted here become marching orders. They become thou shalt and thou shalt nots. They become a creed, an unmoving list of beliefs used to determine if one is in or one is out. Now, how does that even happen? We aren't a creedal tradition. There is no test of faith. Well, first, I think it has everything to do with Unitarian Universalism's perennial PR problem. We are not good advertisers. We've let the myths and bad jokes about us go on for far too long. And that impacts how we communicate who we are. Being part of a creedless religion is a different way of being. And when I say we, I mean every you, you, every Unitarian Universalist has to do better at emphasizing that. It's not just more of the same. Replace the Apostles' Creed with the eight principles. No, it's different. But we'll get to that. But I also think our culture, Western society, likes infallibility. I don't need to use any other example than the man at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue right now. There it is, on display for all of us to witness. In many ways, our current president's refusal to concede a loss is emblematic of deeper problems with our culture. People can't be wrong in 2020. And I only gave you one big example, but just think for a minute how people hold on to something for dear life if it means they can be right, correct, vindicated, or holier than some other group. Sometimes our principles become that. They become things that are grasped onto and sadly sometimes weaponized. I say it often, but our principles shouldn't be purity tests. They are not weapons. If there ever was a list of deadly sins in Unitarian Universalism, piety would be one of them. So yes, I think it's both. I think our culture has encouraged us to be right at all costs. And I think as a religious path, we need to get better at showing just how we are different, how we go against the grain, how we invite people into a different way of being religious. Now, <laughs> If you've ever accused someone of not living our principles to your liking, well, don't beat yourself up over it. I've done it, you've done it, name it, move on. Especially now, in 2020, 
there is a real urge to differentiate ourselves as religious progressives from all of the hate, the intolerance, and the chaos in the world. In high stress, high adrenaline situations, sometimes our gut reaction is to throw whatever stones we can find. But here's a different way. Part of my religious practice is Zen Buddhism. My particular school is at once called Rinzai and Chan, names that you can look up and dig into if you want. But more importantly, it's a school of Zen that looks toward transforming our lives. Now, <laughs> there's a lot of things people assume about Buddhists, and a lot of things Buddhists do to encourage that. So, no, sorry, uh, I know Pema Chodron's books have changed people's lives, but I really have no interest in her books. Alan Watts wrote some really great things, but he's been dead since the 70s. Thich Nhat Hanh is beloved, but he has another journey on his mind at the moment, or maybe he has a lot of nothing on his mind. People think Buddhists should be like David Carradine and Kung Fu. Some are, most aren't. I have no saffron robes, I'll never shave my head. Not all Buddhists are vegetarians, and no, sorry. Meditation is not about manifesting or always being chill or escaping. The school I'm a part of is about confronting life as it is. Chan, or Chinese Zen, was born amidst famine, disease, war, and widespread inequality. Sounds a little familiar, right? But why talk about that? Well, one of the spiritual tools Zen has given me is koans. Now, people have a lot of ideas about what koans are. Ah, some might say, Zen riddles. Not really. Ah, then, incomprehensible sayings. Nope, not, not quite then what are they if not riddles or nonsense? The only answer I can give you is this. Koans are dear friends that journey with me in this life. There's famous koans I'm sure you've heard. Uh, a student once asked his teacher, does a dog have Buddha nature? And the teacher replied, no. Try to answer that. <laughs> What's the sound of one hand clapping? Another famous one. Well, it's not this. And then it is. Another famous one, stop the sound of the distant temple bell, put out the fire across the river. The list goes on and on and on, thousands of koans from ancient times to right now. But they sure do sound like riddles or puzzles or nonsense sometimes. But that has everything to do with us, uh, as Westerners, approaching them. Western philosophy and religious practice tell us that there is a problem to solve and we can find the answer. Eastern philosophy looks at that and just laughs. Koans become friends to Zen students, companions for living. Put out the fire across the river. You might feel compelled to find a solution to that. But what if instead you greeted each day with that on your heart? How many fires across the river do you encounter every single day? What are the fires across the river in your life? What are the fires across the river in the world around us? Is there an answer for that? But instead, if you carry with that with you on your heart, how would you let that change your interactions with yourself, with others, and with life? As the senior teacher of my particular school, John Tarrant, once wrote, Koans light up a life that may have been dormant to you. They hold out the possibility of transformation, even if you are trying to address unclear or apparently unsolvable problems.
Now, I could go on about Zen, but I want to turn again to our principles. The more I am a minister in our tradition, the more I believe our principles, the seven that we have nationally and the eight, the eighth that we've adopted here uh, with handfuls, an ever-growing list of congregations, those eight principles are like koans. They are not sayings or statements that have clear answers. They're not puzzles to figure out. They're not riddles. They're not creedal statements or tests of purity. But no, instead, they're dear friends that journey with us into our lives. They shine a light on what is dormant in our life and offer up the possibility of transformation in the face of immense problems. They teach us and guide us toward a world where there is always possibility. What would it look like to wake up tomorrow morning and journey with our first principle as if it were a dear friend? The inherent worth and dignity of every person. What would that be like? In many ways, uh, there might be a lot of doubt in that, a lot of not knowing. But you'd have this friend to turn to say that to. You would be able to say, I don't know if that group of people over there leaving Nazi propaganda on doorsteps in Lexington has worth or dignity. I don't even know if I have worth or dignity. And you see, creeds leave us feeling like a failure when we don't meet their expectations. But koans, companions for this life, allow us to wrestle, to admit not knowing, and to dwell in not knowing. To be at peace with doubt and to still live our lives fully. What if we lived each day with the eighth principle by our side? Is the beloved community possible? Am I beloved? What could I even do to dismantle racism and other oppressions in my life, let alone in a church or even beyond that I'm a part of? It's not that you failed, but in journeying, there are questions. There is possibility. There are gateless gates popping up all over the place that lead to transformation. It's getting out of the mud and getting back to living. Or sometimes it's just about rolling around in the mud and not seeing it as a problem in the first place. I like that approach. Gone are the tests of purity and piety. Instead, we find we're not alone in this life. With eight wise teachers, our principles, by our side. I wonder if that is part of the original joy people have when they discover Unitarian Universalism. In reading our principles, they somehow no longer feel alone. And so this is the work for all of us. Just try it out. Treat our principles as companions for the journey ahead, not as things to be solved or boxes to be checked off on a list. How does that change things for you? Do you find yourself not knowing? That's great. Do you find yourself in good company? Even better. How will that journey begin for you right now? Blessed be. Amen.